Welcome back, everyone, to the Albuquerque Three Angels SEA Church Sabbath School podcast presented right here from the Three Angels studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm Elder AJ, and this morning I'm joined by... Mario Portillo. Um, I'm an elder as well from the Three Angels Church in Albuquerque. And Robert Noah. I'm also one of the elders here. All right, and this week's lesson is titled The Hour of His Judgment, and it is for the week of April 29th through May 5th. Um, so before we get started, Robert, would you like to open up a prayer? Sure. Father, as always, we want to give thanks for the, the invitation you give us on this day to learn at your feet, to sit in your presence, Lord. We ask that as we open your word and share this morning that not only we will, will we grow, but the listeners can grow also. And as always, may we take this let it become part of our character that you may be glorified through us and that we will let your light shine through us to the rest of the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, for the memory text this week, it is found in Romans 13, 11, and 12. And it says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Now, we don't have to look around much to see in this world that the time is closer than it ever was before. Um, when, I, when I first, you know, heard this message and accepted this message, I was 13 years old and I was confident that I would never see age 21, that I was going to be, that, that Christ was coming back and that this world was going to be done. And we were literally living in the very, very last days of earth history. And I remember hearing this verse at that time and telling that, you know, reading this and saying, wake out of our sleep. Like we were, we were in slumber, right? We were not paying attention to what was yeah. going on. We felt like that people weren't paying attention to the signs, what was happening, what was going to come. And, but yet we read this over and over and we were like, man, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen really soon. And here we are in 2023 and we say, okay, it hasn't happened. But it's closer than it ever been before. Closer it's than yesterday. Yeah. Every day is closer. Every day. And you know, one of the things that I like on, on the uh, Saturday part, on the Y commentary, it says God's people of today have all the privilege and opportunities of the former generation and increased light to make them more powerful in the work of God than the people of preceding generations have been. These advantage demands responding returns in harmony with our heavenly treasures are to be our effort to open the way before others. So we have a bigger uh, responsibility mm-hmm. because we can see back all the prophecies uh, that are being fulfilled. Um, so we, we do, we, we're privileged to live in this um, time and that's one of the reasons why when you talk about waking up from our slumber, from the sleep, is the message of Laodicea to wake up, you know, to yeah. not to be lukewarm and to take heed of the prophecies. And, and, and it seems like it's getting harder and harder to relate that to people today. You know, especially take it to your own family, and it's a lot more difficult for those to, to hear it, to listen to it, and to actually believe it with everything that's going on in the world. Well, uh, it's, and not, I'm not just going to point at the world. I'm going to point at the church mm-hmm. because, and I was just studying and, and thinking about this. 
uh, I think Thursday while I was, I was thinking about it while I was at work that, you know, we've gotten to the point where we're so used to hearing that we're the church of Laodicea that we've become complacent with that. And we believe, you know, we believe that, we're, <laughs> that we're like, yay, we're Laodicea, yeah. you know, and we're, we're like, but the, the call of Laodicea is to, to wake up the same as the Valley of Dry Bones, you know, to, to recognize the condition you're in and wake up and let your fire burn and, you know, be ready for the, the second coming. I mean, uh, we, re- we read the, the parable of the, you know, the virgins, and they all slept, you know, but some of them woke up, woke up. and were and had the the oil in their lamps and were prepared. So, just, yes, we are the Church of Laodicea, but you know we're not called. The complacency is the whole warning, yeah, and we shouldn't be content of where we're at. Right, yes. and most of the time, I think like that's why when we read this verse, it's we're content where we are. It's like the lukewarm water that feels good, right? That's we're happy. We're happy there. We're not. We don't want to go too far to one side or too far to the other side. You know, and we just want to be right there in the middle—a little bit of Christianity, but but a little bit of everything else too. Where's the but nobody, no, just like it says, you know, nobody likes to drink the lukewarm. You know, you yeah. want a hot beverage or you want cold. a cold be- beverage, but you know, it's really distasteful to. Uh, I wanted uh, um, so we could start uh, by reviewing last week. Listen, mm-hmm. um, and it it was found in chapter seven. And it was, uh, so the book of uh, Daniel is uh, broke up in two. The first chapter of uh, Daniel is written in, in Hebrew. From chapter 2, 4, all the way to 7 is, is written in Aramaic. And chapter 7, we see uh, um, Daniel had a vision of a lion. Mm-hmm. And that's from 605 to 538. And then you have a, a bear uh, representing, um, well, the lion represents Babylon. And then you have the second uh, beast is Middle Persia, and it's from 539 to 331. And then we have uh, Greece from 331 to 168 BC. And then we have Rome, the, the drifty beef, the beast, and it's from 168 BC to 476 and then we have the little horn um, from 538 to 1798 and when you see the sequence it it starts and um, you see Babylon, uh, Middle Persia, Greece, uh, the beast and then you have the horns and then judgment 9 and 10 uh, um, thrones were established and then the ancient of days sit and the books were open, and then you have the angels, and then they needed they needed a lawyer because this is a um, this is a um, judgment scene, and then they brought the lawyer because the judgment cannot begin with a, a lawyer. But then we find out uh, last week uh, Sabbath school that it was good news because the the judgment. Is in favor of the saints. Yes, exactly. Because we've been reading the great controversy, by the way, and we see like the Waldenses, John um, Wycliffe, we see John Haas, and we see Jerome, how they were persecuted. So 
Um, so those, uh, even though they were judged and accused of heresy, the judgment is going to be overturned. Yeah. So now we can start with that new yeah. continuing. And, and with I know the a lot of I know a lot of times, like especially when you read this Sabbath school, it gives mm-hmm. a lot of dates and a lot of things that many people might not be familiar with. Yeah. And like me and you were talking yesterday, is there's a reason for all this. Mm-hmm. And what what is that reason that it, that we should be aware of that why we should understand this? What does it lead us to? Right. And that's that's kind of what, what we want to try to get at. Yeah. And so the, the important so and 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 the Bible says that we need to take heed to the more sure um, prophecy, right? We need to. Um, a lot of people don't feel like um, the, you got a group of people that only want to read the New Testament, mm-hmm. but we have to be a Bible a Bible a student of the whole Bible because uh, the Bible says a little here there, a little here there, uh, preset after preset, so. Uh, as a seven-day Adventist, we we know and we understand that we read the Bible and and historical grammatic. So we go to the history and we consider yeah. the grammatic, and then we compare. We see the whole Bible, yeah. and we see the content of the Bible. I think you said it best to me yesterday, and it was the thing that really stuck is you said that all of this validates yes everything that's happened in the Bible up to this point. Yes, and I know I know especially growing up when I. There's always two types of people when you talk about, uh, especially spreading God's word and, and spreading the gospel, like we talked about early in this in this lesson, that when you share the word of God with people, there's going to be the people that pick it up, believe it, and run with it, and they're just going to take it as it is, and they just believe it wholeheartedly, and they're just gonna they're just gonna accept it, and then there are those who need proof, right? They mm-hmm. need they need everything, the background, they need to understand the history of it, so that way they can understand that it aligns, the Bible aligns with history mm-hmm. and shows that it's actually valid. And, and like for me, when, when, when I read, I remember reading all of this and going through the evangelistic series early on, and I was like, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to argue mm-hmm. it. I just accepted it. But I, I knew at that time many people who needed, they needed to go through everything that we're going to talk about now yeah. to be able to see that, okay, it's all true prophecy did fulfill itself and prophecy that prophecy that we have now for the future is also going to fulfill itself so well the for me uh, i was brought into the church when i was about seven years old and uh, i had really no religious background before that um i my family was all southern baptist but i don't ever remember going to church or yeah anything so when I first started reading the Bible, I was a science and history nut when I was a kid. So reading it as history was exciting for me because we were just getting to that point where anthropology and archaeology were starting to validate Bible stories, and whereas before they'd always been contradicting them, saying that there was no proof for any of these uh things that had happened in the Bible. Yeah. Well, now they're starting to find proof for everything happened, that yeah. was listed in the Bible. And then you start, so right there it establishes that the Bible was true because it was accurate on history. Yeah. But then when you start reading, studying prophecy, you know, a lot of, that's why so many uh, start with Daniel chapter two is because that has been mostly fulfilled 
So you yeah. can follow that throughout history, and it can establish, well, if God knew what happened before, and exactly, if yeah. you truly believe that God is not limited to time, space, and matter, that he exists above and beyond, then time is not... Time is relative to God. You know, the same yesterday and today and forever is all the same thing to Him. Yeah. You know, so uh, predicting the future is just as easy for God as predicting the past. So you could start to learn how uh, yeah. infallible and how it, it's actually accurate, and you can follow it and trust it. And we and we have that now, and that's that's the nice part about it. Is as many people well today, you'll talk to them about Christ's second coming. They'll say, well. Ah, that's that's a fairy tale. Heaven's a fairy tale. All this is just a, it's just it's just stories, and and they I, they don't believe it at all. But yet, you can go back, like you just mentioned, and say, well, nine out of the ten things have been prophesied and fulfilled. What makes you think that the, the last tenth, one is yeah, <laughs> not going to? Like, why would God stop there? Why right. would he? Why would he just choose to say, well, I'm going to get you ninety percent of the way, and and I'm just not going to fulfill the rest? And right. It just doesn't make sense. We're I don't know about you, but like, you know, doing the work you do and I do, we, we like to finish things, right? right? <laughs> I have a project and I want to finish it and there's some sort of completion there. And so for me, when I look at the prophecy and I see that Christ is coming back, like I want that to be fulfilled because it, for me, it's like the final, right? like I want it to be completed. Right. So it's not just left empty to say, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I want to know what's going to happen and I hope it's fulfilled, right? Right. Okay, so uh, one of the things that we read on the on Sunday is uh, the Shema, Revelation fourteen seven, the Shema for the Seventh Day Adventists. In uh, Revelation fourteen six, it begins with uh, a soft, uh, an angel flying in midst in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach it to all the world, saying with a loud voice, "Fear God." Give glory to him because the hour of his judgment is here. So seven, saying with a loud voice, fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. So while the the gospel is being preached, there's a judgment taking place. And one of the uh, pillars of our faith is found in Daniel 8.14. Uh, it says, and he said unto me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary should be cleansed. Now, there's some people, this, uh, you know, because there's uh, uh, different translations from the King James and the New King James. Mm-hmm. It says, it says uh, uh, evenings and mornings. So they say, well, that's, that's wrong. Um, the 1844 is not accurate. But they, what they don't realize is when you go to Genesis 1-5, you find evening and there was morning of the first day. And then Genesis 1-7 and 8 says, John, um, and, and God called the firmament in heaven so that evening and the morning were the second day. So evening and morning is one day. So what do we have in Daniel A? In Daniel A, it starts in 5-50. We have, it be, the prophecy begins in Medo-Persia. Why is that important? Because the prophecy of the 2300 days was going to start, you know, the, the counting or, or, or the, you know, the decree was going to be in Medo and Persia. Mm-hmm. Second of all, we have the, uh, the ram and the he-goat, one of the two animals that normally were used in the sanctuary. 
from so from Daniel eight all the way to twelve is written in in Hebrew. And so, Sister Huai and the book Acts of the Apostles says the the portion not Revelation was sealed. It was a portion of the book of Daniel that was sealed and then opened in Revelation ten. And, you can continue. And I know many people read that and they hear, well, they, they always go back to, well, it was sealed. We're not supposed to read it. We're not supposed to understand mm-hmm. it. We're not supposed to, to bother with it. And so a lot of the times I see people dismiss portions of that and well, they, say. They even say that Revelation was sealed. But yeah. when you read Revelation, it says, do not seal this book for the time is at hand. And so another thing that we have, for example, we go to Daniel 8. One, it says, on the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, a vision. So that, so when we read the Bible, when we read the chapter A, we see vision many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. But when we go to the um, Hebrew, uh, we will see the um, vision, Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me is Hatson. And then uh, I saw, and and. Ch- a, uh, Daniel A two. Then I saw in a vision Hatson. So it happened while I was looking. I was in Susha, the city del, which is the providence of Elah, and I saw in a vision Hatson. So that Hatson had to do with um, what do we have? What, what are the um, we see a ram, right? Yeah, with two horns, right? And then you have the the the. That he and then I was considered. So it says on three. Then I lift up my eyes and I saw there standing beside the river a ram which had two horns, and and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. In chapter seven, we have what the bear had one side uh, raised from. So this is uh, Middle Persia. And then, and then he said he was considering. Suddenly, a male goat came out from the west across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground. Very similarity with with the leper in chapter seven. And he had a notable horn, and that notable horn was broken in four pieces. And one of the from one of the wind came a little horn. Um, a lot of people want to apply to another uh, another uh, person that defiled the temple, um, but one of the things that he wasn't big to begin with, mm-hmm. he wasn't until the end time, number number two, and so this little horn grew small and it grew southward, uh, eastward, into the Promised Land. So that promised land is Israel. So who conquered Israel? Who was when Jesus was born? Who was in power? Papal Rome. I mean, uh, pagan Rome. Pagan Rome. Rome. And so he conquered everything. And now the attack was to the prince. And then he took away the the daily. It the Bible doesn't use. Um, when you go to the original or with the, with the manuscript, it doesn't use the uh, uh, daily sacrifice. It only uses the daily. So what was the, uh, the tamit? 
was the central, uh, the, the altar of incense was um, continue. Uh, the lampstand was uh, continuously had to be burned. Um, the bread had to be continued. So the attack was on the sanctuary because this little horn established his own system uh, when it became pagan Rome, I mean papal Rome. And so um, what, what was the, the, the main reason why Jesus' ministry? What was one of the main reasons? To forgive people's sin, mm-hmm. to, to, blood, uh, to intercede for us, so when Papal Rome established his uh, kin, uh, with his own system of religion, that's when the attack was on the on the continue, yeah. on the sanctuary. So so he uh, he grew um, eastward, southward to the Promised Land, and then the attack went to the host, and some of the hosts were trampled under. That means he persecuted his the saints, and and they killed a lot of people. So Daniel, um, then he heard a voice of a man and said, "Make uh, this man understand understand the moray." And then Daniel says, uh, and then Gabriel says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna." Um, he started he started explaining him the. The Hatson first. So the Hatson was, he understood who was the ram, he understood who was the he goat. Uh, but then the, the angel was he, when he was about to um, explain to him the Marais, he got sick in the last chapter and he, he couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's where we left, where it kind of continues off in. Um, Sunday's portion of the lesson that Daniel heard this, what you were talking about in Daniel 8, where he was heard the 2300 days, the vision of the 2300 days, and he did not understand it, right? And then at the bottom portion, it says, Gabriel amazes Daniel as he reveals an answer to his prayer much broader than he ever imagined. The angel Gabriel took Daniel down the stream of time, revealed the truth about the coming Messiah, giving the exact dates of the beginning of his ministry and his cruel death, events that tied directly to the cleansing of the sanctuary in Daniel 8. So in other words, Christ's death and the judgment are inseparably linked, right? And that's what we see at the end portion of this lesson. And so and, and Daniel, um, Daniel A, um, so he fainted. So that takes us to Daniel 9. You know, and one of, one of, I want to go back to um, Daniel 8, and, and if we can read it, um, it says um, chapter um, 8, 15. Mm-hmm. It says, and, and it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the Hatson, which was the I was, vision. Uh, yeah. was, which was the, uh, let's say it was a vision. It was a, an audio, okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, seeking the meaning, and suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of man. So when you see uh, the appearance of man, that's Jesus. And I heard a man's voice between the bands of the Uli, Uli, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the Marais. So he came near, and I stood, and when he came, I was afraid. 
and I fell on my face, and he said to me, Understand, son of man, the vision refers to the time of the end. So it couldn't be, it, okay, I apologize. I wanted to read chapter 8 9. And one of them came a little horn and grew exceedingly great towards the south, toward the east, towards the glorious land, and it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. And even exalt himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was take, taken away, and the place of the sanctuary was cast down because of the transgression, and army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily and he cast down the truth to the ground, and he did as he w- and he prospered. So Daniel is watching this vision, and then all of a sudden the vision goes blank, and then he he hears a conversation. Then I heard a holy man speaking, and another holy one saying to a certain one who was speaking, "How long is this Hatson?" be concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation and giving both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled under. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. And there's, there's a lot of, I know that there's a lot of confusion around that one verse right yeah. there about the 2,300 days that many people argue that the 2,300 days are literal days, actual literal days, right? Um, and if that was the case, like it talks about here in in Monday's portion of the lesson, that even if you fit in the 2,300 days as literal days, it doesn't fit properly in the time frame of, of history of what happens. Well, you, there's other visions that Daniel was given that are, that run consinctly with the 2,300 days. They have Mm -hmm. the same starting point. And so there, you you take the 2300 days but then you take all these parts of it and it has to all that has to be included also so you have to see when did this part come true and when you start taking all those parts and lining it up everything happened exactly mm-hmm. when it was supposed to and it only ha- happens when you use the day for your part exactly yeah and then another another thing that is is the that argument is not validated. It's because part of the 2300 days is the prophecy of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jesus came at the right time, uh, you know, right on, on, on God's clock. Yeah. You know, we see that when the, when the fullness of time came, Jesus was born. When the fullness of time came, um, Gabriel appeared to Zachariah, the father of John. When the fullness of time came, um, he came and being baptized by um, by John. Jesus came to him and he was baptized right on the year twenty-seven. So by them saying that the twenty-three hundred days is not is not prophetic. So one of the things we got to, when we interpret prophecies is when we see symbols, mm-hmm. that means it's symbolic, the year. And we know that the year is, uh, um, the one year is 
Like a day, one day is one like year. Two year. Yeah. Yes. And we'll see that. We've, we've got the Bible verses. Yeah, those actually come, I think, yeah. on Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday's portion of the lesson. You'll read mm-hmm. how that, why, why that makes sense. And so like that, the whole focus, and it talks about here in, in, on Monday's portion of the lesson, that Daniel 8.14 is basically the climax of Daniel chapter 8. It's God's answer to the challenge of earthly and religious powers that have attempted to usurp the authority of God. It is part of God's divine solution to the sin problem. And after reading, going through last week's lesson about the judgment and reading this week's lesson, it was, I almost feel that they should have swapped them, <laughs> kind of. I feel that th- this one should have come before. We got last week's portion of the lesson talking about the good news of the judgment and how it was supposed to be something that we understand is good news for us instead of something to be scary. <laughs> and but you should apply that to the judgment also. Yeah. You know, I mean, people have a tendency, you hear that word judgment, and they're, and they're afraid. Yeah, of course. Because they're... But, the only reason a person would be afraid of the judgment is when things are going to be revealed to you that you're unwilling to let go of. Yeah. You know, you have to look at judgment differently the way David did throughout the Psalms where he is looking forward to judgment. You know, show me what needs to change so I more perfectly so reflect you. It, yeah. You know, so I, it's on how we look at judgment really on how we want to interpret the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Because you can look at it and say, well, I'm fearful for that time of coming because, like you say, all, all of the things I've been hiding in the secret are going to be revealed. <laughs> right. But and God wants that there to be no secrets. Yeah. You know, everything's already been revealed. You know, so you don't have to worry about it because it's already been taken care of. Yeah. But it, I think it's more of that personal side of it that you're worried about yourself. And, and I think, like you said, the whole point of that is if you fear the judgment and you're worried about uh, things you're doing wrong that you don't want revealed in a sense, well, don't you think that's the time that we should be confessing our sins? And, 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 and you're absolutely right. And we all, but we also have to realize that, you know, just like it says in the book of Revelation, this is the, this isn't, I mean, yes, we will be judged and that's all throughout scripture, mm-hmm. but this is the hour of his judgment that God is the one that's on trial. Yeah. Uh, we are his witnesses, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, we need we need to take a lot of that stuff that we internalize and externalize it, and look at the big picture, yeah, and, and realize that you know, we're part of it. But this is still a great controversy between Jesus and Satan. Yeah, and that's something we established last week is that yes, it's it's God validating Himself to the rest of the universe right. that God is love. That his government, he he was he was living within the bounds of his of his own rules, right? And that alone shows you that there's am- amazing restraint there, that he has the power, the ability to do whatever he wanted. He could be able to change it if he really wanted to, mm-hmm. but there was something that was set up that was established, and Satan's claim against that, like, hey, God's not love. God is, God is harsh. Journey, yeah, right. he's he want he's a ruler. He doesn't he doesn't care for you, and so. That's where the part that we play in all of this because right. he's saying, well, look, these people, they, yeah, they're sinners, but they they came back to me and they repented and they, they tried really hard to do to do the right thing of living and, through their life. And that's the part of last week's lesson that should have been before this week's lesson <laughs> yeah. is because last week's lesson also showed us the practicality of the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, how to make it a practical part of your life. Yeah. And... Uh, and allow people to see that difference 
that whatever the, the, the what you what you believe changes you in a way that's exactly right. Uh, one of the things, oh, so here on Monday, it says some argue that the 2300 days are literal days. They also believe this, that the horn applies to Seleucid military leader Antiochus Epiphany. So when we, when we study this, uh, this whole thing, we got to go to the history, as we already said. Mm-hmm. So as we read history, when did this little horn started appearing? In 321, matter of fact, when the apostle uh, Paul was, uh, um, he said the mystery of the iniquity is already in place. So in Pergamon, so so when when the Kald, uh, when the Middle Persia conquered Babylon, those Chaldeans they fled to Pergamon, and they. They started, um, you know, working their uh, their plan to overthrow the Roman Empire and to, because the Rome, the 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 papal, uh, I mean the pagan Rome. It, it I mean the little horn has two stages. First, it was political, mm-hmm. and then it became religious. That's what make it more powerful. So. So that's the reason why we ha- we see in Revelation when it calls Babylon the Gray. Why? Because it has connection with Babylon through these people. Another thing is that we got to consider in this Exodus 25a says, "Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show you." That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furnitures, so it should be made. So every step that the sanctuary, the earthly sanctuary, represents of the true sanctuary. So we're living in the day of a torment. So that's the reason why the Sabbath school lesson takes us to um, Leviticus 16, if I'm not um, mistaken. Yeah, it takes us to Leviticus 16, because in Leviticus 16, we have the day of a torment. What were they supposed to do? Afflict their souls because um, the high priest was going in there to blot up the sins of the people. So every day, you know, when someone sinned, they were to take a lamb and they had to slaughter it. Yes. And so the, the high priest would take the, 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 the blood and take it to the holy and sprinkle that into the to the veil. So when Jesus died, the 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 the, the veil ripped from top to bottom. And so I hope I don't I'm not getting ahead of myself. Yeah, and but, I'll, I'll I'll read that. And it was Leviticus sixteen sixteen, right? Yeah. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions for all their sins, and so. He shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. Okay, another. Um, so let's go to 9, just to do abbreviation, and then we will go and, and continue um, the, the dialogue. So 11 years pass. So Daniel, it finished, Daniel 8, finished, and the vision, because the uh, 
Gabriel was not able to, he only explained to him the Hudson. He understood who was the ram. He understood who was the, the, the he goat. And then when you go to Daniel 8, 26, it says, And the vision of the evenings and morning which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And then 27, And I, Daniel, fainted, and I was sick for, uh, for, for days afterward, and I arose and went about the king's business. And I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. So this is one of the things. Um, I want to make two points. Um, a lot of people criticize Sister Huai when she wrote the early writings because she 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 didn't understand. She you know, here Daniel he didn't understand, mm-hmm. and we we go when we go to Daniel twelve, he didn't understand all of it. But when we go to Sister Huai when she wrote the Great Controversy, she was mature. She understood every. She put everything in content. So, okay, so Daniel didn't understood. 11 years passed um, because Babylon had not fallen in chapter 8. So, and Daniel, 11 years later, Daniel said, wait a minute. We've been here for 70, almost 70 years. Mm -hmm. And then he heard the 2300 days. So what did he do? In the first year of Darius, that's one of the kings of uh, Medo-Persia, and that was the uncle of, of Cyrus, the son of Cyrus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realms of the Chaldeans. In the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years as specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. So one of the things that he did is he prayed, he confessed his sin, he conf- you know, he he interceded for his people. And so that takes us to um Daniel uh, 9 um 25. Um let me see. No. Daniel 9:20. So what happened? He wasn't even finished the prayer. And, and it says, now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God to the holy mountain, oh my God. Yes, I was, while I was speaking in prayer, a man, Gabriel, who ha, I have seen in a vision, and thus, Hudson, at the beginning, caused me to fly swiftly, reach about me at the, on the, of the evening, of, and on the time of the sacrifice of the evening, and, and he informed me and talked to me and say, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth and give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, that command went out, and I have come and tell you, you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the manner and understand the marae. So in Daniel A, we don't have a vision. There's no vision. So which vision he was about to explain? He was about to explain to him 
the vision that he did not understand in Daniel 8. So it's very important for us to distinguish when we, when we hear the boy's uh, vision. So in Daniel 9, um, in Daniel 9, uh, 23, uh, you have the moray. And Daniel, yeah. So I'll let you guys continue. And just real quick, just I want you to explain the again one more time about what you were telling me earlier about the word vision and how it's used and not why it's referring back to why it's referring back to Daniel eight when you read it here in Daniel nine. So yes, so in Daniel nine and in, in Daniel eight we have a hatson, a word hatson, and we have the word maray. Mm-hmm. So in Daniel twenty, um and then you, yeah. Daniel 9, 20. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Daniel 21. Yes, while I, was, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I have seen the vision at the beginning, he saw the vision, the Hatson. So Hatson means the entire vision mm-hmm. from chapter 8 all the way to 12. That's the entire vision. The Marais, it has to do with the ministry of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So when we go to chapter 10, we see that he understand, he understood the vision. Uh, we could go to um, Daniel 10. And Daniel 10... Um, In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointment time was long, and I understood the message, and I understood the marae. So he understood the marae. In chapter 9, Gabriel was sent to, to, um, to Daniel, so he can explain the Marae. Mm-hmm. And now we can start reading 24. And he start uh, explaining him the Marae and, and the vision and the whole, and, and the Marae that, now the portion that he did not understand. Yeah, which we find in when he said Daniel 9, 24, and which, which kind of mm-hmm. goes in with Tuesday's portion of the mm-hmm. lesson, right? And it talks about here that, the first portion of this prophecy relates to God's people, the Jews, which is 70 mm-hmm. weeks are determined for your people, Daniel 9.24. In Bible prophecy, and this is what we're talking about, one prophetic day equals one literal prophetic year. And you find that in Ezekiel 4.6, right? One of the ways that we can be certain that the day-year principle of prophecy applies here is that when we use it in Daniel's prophecy, each event on the timeline comes out perfectly. If we apply this principle, 70 weeks are composed of 490 days. Since one prophetic day equals one literal year, 490 days are 490 literal years. Right? And yes. that's important to understand when yeah. talking about all of this, that we, like I said in the beginning, is that the one day equals to one year. Because that's when it you match that up and it makes, it makes sense with everything that we've been talking about here. So it says, um, so 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end for sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up 
the vision and to, to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy most holy. Mm-hmm. Now therefore now therefore and understand from the going forth for the command to restore and reveal Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince, there should be seven weeks, sixty two weeks, and the street should be built again and the wall even in troubled times. And when we read chapter chapter 10 of Daniel, we see that the king of Persia was opposing to him, and that was the, the Satan. He was um, attacking the mind, so the decree was not given. Mm-hmm. So there were three decrees, and the, and the decree that really counted was the decree... That was given by Artajerjes. I say it in Spanish. <laughs> Artajerjes, uh, yeah. Artajerjes. And 457. Because that's when they truly got their independent. That's when uh, what was it was more complete. So the first uh, decree was in 536 uh, by Cyrus. And then the second decree was given by uh, Darius to confirm the decree, revoked by Cambyses. And then the one we go by is the 457. I don't know if you got the timeline for the 2300-day prophecy. I don't have that one on here, no. You don't have that one? Okay. Maybe I can, uh, I can um, send it to you. So you guys could go on. I don't want to yeah. be... I mean, one of the things that especially reading um, Monday to this portion of the lesson and talking talking to a few other people about this as well. One of the questions I get asked a lot is, why do these prophecies matter to us? Why are they important to us today? I know we, we kind of talked about the, um, that it validates a lot of the things that, we've, that we believe as far as it going through history, but that's one of the questions I always get. Like, well, I don't have to worry about that because... I want to know why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Why does it matter to me? You know, what is the what is the point of of what we're reading, what we're what we're trying to understand here? Um, and I know, like when we talk about the tw- like it talks about twenty three hundred days and talking really about the sanctuary be cleansed. That is very significant to what we believe is happening right now and to what is going to come, right? And I think that that's something that. Um, is really brought out in the last portion of the lesson, mm-hmm. helping us to understand the judgment more clearly and why that matters to us. One of, the, one of the things that is important to understand this is because a lot of people, by the way, I sent you the, yeah, the screen. Yeah. So I hope you can put it on the screen. One of the reasons why it's important, because a lot of people think that everything was uh, taken care of in the, on the cross. And the cross is very important. But then you have Bible verses that, you know, for example, 1 John 2 says that uh, it says that uh, we have an advocate. Uh, He says, can you read it, um, Robert? Well, 1 John 2, 1 says, you know, little children, these things I tell you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. 
So we need somebody to intercede for us. And then the Bible says that we have one mediator between God and and us, and that is Jesus. Yeah. Well, if you read um, Romans chapter 4, verses, well, I think a lot of places in Romans, the, the chapters were split up in inappropriate places. Because um, in Romans chapter 4, verse 24, yeah, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised up again for our justification. In verse 5, our chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it continues. But so that tells us that, yes, the cross is important, but the fact that Jesus rose and is now doing something else mm-hmm is equally important. So, I mean, because verse Romans 4.25 tells me that my justification did not happen at the cross. It says he was raised again for my justification. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what what Jesus did, you know, it, or is doing after his ascension. Yeah. And and I, um, I think it was, let's see, I think it was in... Um, Monday's portion on the notes section here, that one that really, and it talked about here, it said that the sins of the people were anciently transferred in figure to the earthly sanctuary by the blood of the sin offering. So our sins, in fact, are transferred to the heavenly sanctuary by the blood of Christ. And as the typical cleansing of the earthly was accompanied by the removal of the sins by which it had been polluted, so the actual cleansing of the heavenly is to be accomplished by the removal, or as we know, blotting out of the sins which are there recorded. This necessitates an examination of the books of record to determine who, through repentance of sin and faith in Christ, are entitled to the benefits of his atonement, right? And that's kind of like what you're talking about there, just that whole, that entire process of that. It has now moved from what we know to be as, like, you think back to when you had, like you said, you had to, you sinned and you had to go make a sacrifice with animal, right? And that whole thing's gone now. But, But even the sacrificial service did not end at the altar the priest had to take the blood and sprinkle it on the veil you know the the altar you know there was blood put on the altar of incense there was blood put on the the veil there was and on the day of atonement the blood that was carried and sprinkled on the mercy seat mm-hmm. you know you need to understand that you know it didn't it starts at the altar of sacrifice, it does not end there. Yeah, and that's something important to remember. And another verse that uh, I'm sure Mario was going to bring up, where it tells us to follow Jesus by faith into the most holy place. You know, Jesus doesn't lead us to the altar. He doesn't even lead us to the lever. He leads us all the way to the throne of God, all the way to the mercy seat. And, and you know what? One one of the things, though, so we have 60... The, 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 so it's breaking out in three, seven weeks, which is 48 years, 62 weeks, which is 434. So um, when we get to the year 27, so that's already 69 weeks. And I don't know why other denominations, they, they apply this, this. That last week to the, the last week to, 
to say, uh, well, in the first week, there's going to be a secret rapture, and then in the middle of the week, um, I don't know how they <laughs> figure this I, out. I've but heard different versions of that. Yeah, yeah, so in the year 27, Jesus was anointed. Uh, he began his ministry. At the middle of the week, which is the year 31, which, by the way, they suffer a great disappointment. A lot of people, you know, within our ranks and the Seventh-day Adventists, the reason why they don't like the 1844 is because, oh, we suffer a great disappointment. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute. The, the apostles suffered a great disappointment. Yes, yeah. they suffer. You know, people that were going in the way of Emmaus, they were, we thought it was, you know, the, the yeah. Savior. So Jesus confirmed the covenant with many. And then in the year 34, which the time of probation that was cut, chatak, that means to literally cut animal. You know, it was cut from the 2300 days. So it ends in 34, you know, the time of their probation. Yeah. So that leaves us with 1,810 years. So to, to fit the gap right there, we got to go to Daniel 12. We got to go to Daniel 12, and that explains the, the whole thing and then how we connect it. And so Daniel 12, I think I sent it to you, right? 58 minutes is never enough. Yeah. yeah. It's not, we're down to four minutes here. So in, in, in Daniel, Daniel 12, Daniel, um, Daniel uh, 5, Daniel 12, 5. Then Daniel, I look, and there stood two others in the riverbank and and the other on the riverbank and one said to the man club in the linen and I was above the waters of the rivers how long shall be the fulfill of these wonders and I heard the man clothed in linen which is uh, the high priest I mean that's who was above the waters of the river when when he held the right hand in his left hand to heaven and he swore what is what is it said um robert he uh chapter seven for him that liveth forever and ever it shall be for a time times and a half so we're looking for the judgment sometime after 1260 years so that gave us three three prophecies so so in daniel 12 the book was sealed and we read that in and um, Daniel, um, Daniel 12, uh, 2. Uh, um, no, in verse no, 9. Not, nine, yeah. So it was sealed, 9. And, and, he said, and he said, go your way, for the words are to close up and seal to the end time. So now we go to Revelation 10, and we'll finish with this. <laughs> Revelation 10. And I know we're gonna study later on, yeah, but I wanted to. more about this. I, I want. Lessons. I want. I wanted to, to explain this today. It said, "I saw um, Revelation 10, and I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, his feet like a pillar of fire, and he had a little book open in his hand. Right." And so we see a, a, a and, and then he said that the time will be no more. 
So that's 1798 when the book was unsealed. Now, people understood. Uh, they, they, that's when they started uh, studying the hour of his judgment is here. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, William Miller did not understand. He thought the cleansing of the sanctuary was the cleansing of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so, but then they were right with the prophecy line, but they were wrong in the event. Just like all the apostles, uh, yeah. the whole yeah. Israel, they were wrong. They they, they were writing and, and that the Messiah was coming, but they got disappointment mm-hmm. that he died on the cross. Yeah. yeah. So right. hopefully we have a chance to talk about Revelation 10. Yeah, and we're going to get into that in the next coming lessons, and I hope that this Sabbath school lesson was uh, is kind of a jump start to be able to get you yeah. to talk about all of this in, in your own Sabbath school classes. Um, so pretty much we'll, we're pretty much out of time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions, comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comment section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. And also don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast and the previous episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for us on any of those platforms, ABQ Three Angels Podcast. God bless you all. Um, Mario, would you like to close the prayer for us? Yes. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to share what you have uh, teach us. And what a privilege to proclaim the three angels' message and the three angels' uh, three angels' church, Lord. Please, we feel sometimes unworthy to proclaim, but we we ask that you give uh, purify us um, to cleanse us with your blood, Lord that we humble ourselves because we living in the in the Yom Kippur, the last phase of the sanctuary, Lord. Please help us be purified to meet you in, in the air. And not only for us to be purified and be prepared, because we need to pre- prepare other people, Lord. And like Daniel said in the prayer of Daniel 9, not because of our righteousness, but because of your many mercies, we ask this, Lord. Please help us to be better. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelssda.org.